Usually when we think of the term prepare, we think of getting something ready, like a meal or ourselves in the morning. We all do some sort of preparation every day and for the most part really don't think much about it. But sometimes preparation can be difficult, especially when the thing that we'd really like to prepare for seems as if it is far off in the distance. How do we prepare ourselves in those cases? How do we prepare for a delay? The members of Matthew's church were waiting expectantly for the kingdom of heaven to arrive. After Jesus' resurrection, they believed that the kingdom of heaven was imminent. They were going to see God's reign on earth. They were going to experience the world in a whole new way, the way that God had originally planned. But they hadn't planned on having to wait so long. They hadn't planned for a delay, and they were not prepared for it. The parable that we just heard is all about being prepared for the coming of Christ and what to do when his return seems to be delayed. Sometimes when people read this story, it seems as if Jesus is being mean or harsh. But you know, I've been studying this passage and I think that if we take a closer look at it, we'll come to the conclusion that Jesus isn't being mean or harsh at all. The story is about a group of bridesmaids. Five of them are foolish and five of them are wise. And they have been waiting anxiously for this day to arrive. They have this huge role in a wedding they get to light the way for the bridegroom in the wedding procession. It was an honor to be able to perform this duty. The difference between the two groups of bridesmaids was their approach to this duty. For the wise, they saw it as an honor. They saw it as special, as something uh, to take seriously. So they made sure that they took all that they needed. They prepared everything ahead of time, and they took along extra supplies, just in case. The, the other group might have been excited. They might have felt honored, but their actions did not show that. They didn't take along extra supplies. They weren't prepared for a delay. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of having a very inquisitive young man in my elementary school classroom. He loved to ask questions, and he had one question in particular that he really loved to ask. On the first day of school, he looked at me and he said, Miss Mills, how much longer till my birthday gets here? And, and uh, I told him that because it was the beginning of August and his birthday wasn't until the end of March, that it would be about eight months until his birthday got here. But every day he continued to ask me the same question. And every day I pretty much gave him the same answer. After a few weeks of 
asking this question and me answering, he looked at me one day and he said, oh, Miss Mills, how much longer do I have to wait? We have all felt that same kind of frustration from time to time when the thing that we are looking so much forward to seems like it is taking forever to materialize. In his graduation gift special, Oh, the Places You'll Go, Dr. Seuss describes a time in everyone's life where things aren't really coming together the way that they'd expected them to. He calls it the waiting place. And in the waiting place, everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. But waiting can be excruciating. And that was how members of Matthew's church must have felt as the imminent kingdom of heaven was delayed day by day, month by month, year by year. Their frustration would have only grown by the amount of conflict they were facing in their families, the society, and their synagogues. You see, most of the members of Matthew's church were Jewish, and they later converted to Christianity. But their new faith was not shared by everyone in their communities. As time ticked away, and the kingdom still hadn't manifested, the conflicts and the delay were starting to produce doubt that they were going to see the kingdom at all. And Matthew is well aware of this, so as he is putting his gospel together, he knows that he has to include stories that Jesus told to illustrate the importance of vigilance in the midst of a delay. You'll notice that in the middle of the parable, it says that the bridegroom became delayed, and so all the bridesmaids fell asleep. What the parable doesn't say, at least directly, is that this would have been a wonderful opportunity for the foolish bridesmaids to fix their mistake. They could have easily looked over to their counterparts and realized they didn't have the same amount of oil as the others did. This delay was an opportunity. It was the second chance that they needed. They just didn't take advantage of it. Last Sunday, uh, in his sermon, my pastor at Central Christian talked all about the great lengths that we will go to in order to avoid waiting. He said that we live in a society with hurry sickness. Just the thought of waiting tends to dull the shine in our lives. But waiting, like preparation, is a part of life. How we handle the time in our waiting places can make the waiting either, either more or less painful. For 108 years, a group of baseball fans entered every season saying that this season was going to be the season, the season that their team 
won the World Series. And for 108 years, that same group of fans said the same thing that my, my students said. How much longer are we going to have to wait? In 2016, their team had one fantastic season that led them to the playoffs and then eventually to the World Series. With the series tied at three games each, Cubs fans entered game seven with fear and expectation. In the bottom of the ninth inning, the score was tied at six runs each, putting the game into extra innings. And then it started to pour the rain, and the game was delayed by 17 minutes. I'm not a Cubs fan. I've never been a Cubs fan. But I will confess to cheering like one for that season, and those 17 minutes were agonizing. But the Cubs used those 17 minutes to have a short team meeting. They rallied around one another. They refocused their efforts. They refilled their lamps, so to speak. And in the top of the 10th, they went out and they scored two runs and held on to win the game and win their first World Series championship in 108 years. After the game, Cubs player Anthony Rizzo said that that rain delay was the most important thing to happen to the Chicago Cubs in 100 years. I don't think we win the game without it, he said. They took advantage of a delay. In the parable, after the delay is over and the bridesmaids hear the call to go and meet the bridegroom, they all rise and they trim their wicks. It is only then that the foolish bridesmaids realize they have made a grave error in judgment. They don't have enough oil to keep their flames burning, and without their flames, they can't meet the bridegroom. In their panic, they resort to their only option, ask the others for some of their oil. My dad has this saying that I have heard more times than I care to remember. Failure to plan on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. This is his usual response to my procrastination and last minute cries for help. When my dad tells me this, he is not being mean or harsh. He's just telling me the truth. The wise bridesmaids don't say it exactly like my dad does, but it's essentially the same gist. You guys didn't plan and we don't have enough in our supply for everyone. If we try to stretch this oil out, our flames will burn out. We cannot meet the bridegroom that way. The wise bridesmaids have to say no. They're not being mean or harsh. It's just the reality of the situation. So the bri wise bridesmaids go and they meet the bridegroom and they light the way into the wedding banquet, and the door is shut. The opportunity for the foolish bridesmaids is over. During my first tour of graduate school, I was like the foolish bridesmaids. Our professors had encouraged us not to take on any work outside of classes, but financially, I really couldn't afford not to work. So I took on 30 hours at a, uh, at a gas station nearby. And near the end of the 
fall semester, I was working too much and I had too much due at the same time. One night, I got to class and there was a paper due and I didn't have it. I honestly didn't even realize I needed to have it until I got there. That mistake led to me getting a C in the class. I ended up with two C's that semester and that was two C's too many. I needed a 3.0 to continue in my program and I ended with a 2.92. It was close, but it wasn't enough. I didn't get to continue in my program. The door was shut. My professors were not being mean or harsh. It was just the reality that I needed to face and it was a truth that I needed to learn. When the foolish bridesmaids come back, they are hopeful that they can still get into the wedding banquet. But the door shut means that no one else can come in. The bridegroom has to deny them access. He's not being mean. It's just the reality of the situation. The final admonishment from Jesus is to keep awake because we don't know when the kingdom of heaven will come. The term keep awake comes from the Greek word Gregorio. It means to pay strict attention to something, to be cautious of something. The original hearers of this parable would have understood it as essentially a warning. Pay attention, be cautious. Don't let the conflicts of this world keep you from the kingdom when the time comes. This isn't Jesus's way of being mean or harsh. This is Jesus's way of being proactive because he knows that time will come when faith will be hard to find, like trying to find lamp oil at midnight. He wants his followers to sustain their faith, to keep their oil lamps full so that they will be prepared for the delay. That way, when the bridegroom comes, when Jesus returns, we will be there to welcome him with our lamps burning brightly, lighting the way into the banquet. Let all those who strive to keep their oil lamps full say, Amen.